0: Welcome to the Just a GP podcast. We are doing another COVID special today and it's in relation to children and COVID. So today we'll be talking about schools, how to talk to children about COVID and what health professionals can do to help parents uh, talk to their children about COVID and discuss the risks and encourage their children to do what we are suggesting that we should get our children to do around COVID. So we're going to do quick highlights, then we'll get into the episode, and then we'll do some quick resources. Do you want to start with a highlight, Charlotte?
1: A highlight of today. That's slightly tricky, except that I can manage it. It's a one of those things about looking out for yourself. The highlight for me this morning was running with my two running buddies around the bay. and it was just so good to feel a little bit normal and to be able to talk about things that were
0: not COVID related. Did you run a metre and a half apart? Uh, We we probably end up with a
1: little bit like that, but we certainly faced forward. So if there was going to have been any coughing, we screened out for symptoms and there was no coughing, sneezing or sharing of body fluids at any
0: time. Excellent. And you Beck?
2: Um, I think my highlight of the day is actually going to talk about um, family and how actually my family have realised that I'm a little bit stressed and maybe understand why and have banded together and actually done a lot of things for me in the last couple of days. And that has been really lovely.
0: And you, Ash? My highlight of today was I did my second day of telehealthing from home whilst in exclusion awaiting a swab and it was actually much easier day two having done it the first day and so it was nicer to know that it was easier the second time around.
1: That's good. It is amazing isn't it how we do improve when we think about the things that need to get better and do something about it.
0: Yeah, so I, my suggestion, more well, my encouragement to people is if, if it's difficult to begin with, then it will get easier and ho- hopefully the, the this gives me the opportunity to be much more aware of how to conduct things and I've done autofills and shortcuts so it's easier for me to document what I need to document um, and checklist those things as well. We're talking to Beck today about uh, how to talk to children about COVID and then we're going to ask Charlotte a few questions about children and schools. So, Beck, would you like to just give us a bit of a rundown on some things that you've seen about and what the recommendations are?
2: Yeah, so I guess this is a really important topic to me, both because I'm a mum of two little ones, and you, um, side note, you might hear them in the background today because I'm also trying to work from home today, and so there might be some additional background noise, Um, but also because I see a lot of kids in my practice, and especially over the last two to three days, the number of mums and parents coming in asking for advice on this has exponentially skyrocketed. And I guess that's where my first piece of advice that I want to talk about is coming in which is where to get information from and how much you're exposing your children or your family to actual advice and where you're getting your information from and how much exposure they're having to kids because I know personally there's quite a lot of information around at the moment and not all of them from sources that I normally would use for health care and I guess I really want to spend a little bit of time talking about where you can get appropriate information from and with one of those being your GP knowing that it might be very difficult to get an appointment with your GP or your GP might be doing telephone consults. Most GPs are more than happy to see people to reassure them and talk through issues, even if they're not currently sick. So seeing your GP is really important. The New South Wales Health website has been fantastic in their response, and they're actually doing almost daily updates. And the Raising Children Network has got some really well-orientated, consumer-friendly advice advice particularly around COVID as well. So I wanted to do our sources right up to begin with. The next thing that I was wanting to talk about was essentially age-appropriate discussions with children. And so how to have the really difficult discussions around sickness and being unwell and viruses, and particularly if you or a family member would be in a high-risk group, that starting the conversation early and having the discussion soon is really important and doing them in a non-threatening way and that you don't have to have all of the discussions in one go. One of the strategies I often take for my kids is to do them in small bite-sized bits of information. So for instance, today we might talk about hand-washing. Yesterday, school talked about greeting people and saying hello, and why we shouldn't be hugging and kissing and shaking hands at the moment. And actually, for some kids, that's as far as I would go. I actually don't think that knowing about the ins and outs of viruses and disease is important, but for other kids, knowing what you're going to say ahead of time is really important. So if they are a little bit older, then explaining to them, especially if they're watching some news and some media with you, that some people are going to get sick and that some people are going to go to hospital, but keeping it really simple. And if they're older again, so perhaps the six, seven, eight year group explaining what viruses are, how they spread to person to person, the disease, not the person who's unwell, and that it's not the person that you need to avoid, that potentially it's their cough or their sneeze. And that's why we're washing their hands and deliberately trying to not to make it about the person, but to make it about the sickness. And I think the most important thing that I'm wanting to talk about is finding out what the kids are worried about because I know personally sometimes I go on a big tangent and that's not even what they're worried about. They might be worried that they're not going to see grandma or granddad and I could have just talked to them about FaceTime instead of talking to them about something else and actually just asking them what they're worried about rather than presuming what they're worried about. Some
0: of the strategies that I've seen online is helping to show children how you deal with stress. Have you tried that with your kids at all and and what kinds of things have worked?
2: Yeah, so um, daycare actually did, did an awesome strategy of starting some yoga exercises. And so they do a cosmic yoga, I think it is, every day for rest time for like my children, the ones that don't rest. And we've started doing some yoga before bed as a way of calming down. And another one I really like is audiobook so I do a lot of reading as a way of having some me time and audiobooks has two benefits one, that they're technically reading and it's almost educational, but two, that I don't actually have to be there while I'm doing the reading. I can press play on the audiobook and then go and have dinner or do some cleaning or something else myself. So they're my two most utilized strategies at the moment. I actually had some specific questions for Charlotte. I was hoping that we could next touch base on some policies or some decision making or essentially the process behind the decision makings around school closure if and when that happens and why it happens why it doesn't happen and maybe specifically why some people might choose to keep their kids at home.
1: Thanks Beck. Yes I think the school issue is, is becoming particularly fraught and I think that's because there seems to be mixed messages and, and understanding around what the role of school closures are I'll start quickly by saying that children are certainly not affected by the COVID-19 in the same way that adults are. This is related to, I'm told by an infectious diseases expert, the cytokines that are released in response to the viral infection. That the older we get, the more cytokines we seem to be producing in response to this particular virus and the more cytokines you produce, the sicker you tend to get. So hence that really quite significant increase in mortality as well as severity of illness the older you are and the more comorbidities that you have. So children for this illness are really protected. They also appear to not shed as much virus. There's still to be a lot more evidence that needs to come out, remembering we're just in week 14 of this infection. So we don't 100% know or understand, but they don't seem to shed as much. So schools aren't seeing as a pot, so to speak, of infection. In fact, at this stage of infection, in certainly in New South Wales and around the rest of Australia, we have very little infection in in school aged children and so schools are not an unsafe environment for children to be in, in terms of actually them catching it from their friends. Rather, they are being kept out of the community and kept safe. And those cases that have been identified in contact traces, those schools have been temporarily closed down while they chase up the close contacts and then school has been able to resume. Again, we need to remember that COVID-19 is different from influenza. So when we think about influenza and closing down a school, that's quite a different strategy from what is needed for COVID-19. So I think what we've seen so far with the, the countries that have closed down schools, they've been part of a bigger community effort of actually keeping everybody at home. And it's when the infection rates have been seen to be at a point where those strategies are the strategies that they're wanting to do to try and, and flatten the sort of the pandemic response. Again, so far, we aren't at that peak. It may well be that they decide to change it. But I think the biggest message is knowing that it's it, the children are safe at school and if there is any risk for your schools, then those schools will be closed down. Boarding schools, on the other hand, where there is much higher incidence of both close contact and also the children are older there has been more of a recommendation that maybe boarding schools might be better off not running during this time frame and then finally it's about actually looking at society as a whole if we close down schools we actually are asking parents to have to stay home and look after them and that actually is a, a major economic decision at this point when the infection the benefit of closing down the schools is just not not seen and there's quite a few papers coming out to support that i think if you're actually looking at school closure as a policy decision it's important to know that it is not about it actually playing any major role in preventing infection it's more as a wider strategy to keep everybody at home in that particular social isolation Context.
0: And at this period of time, Charlotte, we're seeing a lot of the increase in cases because we are aggressively testing those at risk.
1: That's exactly right. So there's been a lot of contact chasing. So a lot of the, the children who've been found have been extraordinarily well, but because they've been children, they've been testing and they've been widely testing around this school. And again, there's just been very little infection from that context or actually case finding in the context of school.
2: What about children who themselves are unwell or have close family members that would be potentially in the high risk group? Is there an increased recommendation for those two populations to stay home?
1: At this point in time, no. I think you have to make individual decisions as a family about what you want to do. If a child is immunosuppressed, Having chemotherapy and is otherwise at risk, I think that probably the level of anxiety you have about that child would have me support any family saying, let's keep them at home during this time. For a normal, healthy child, however, I don't see there being any reason for them needing to stay home in the current context of where we're at in the pandemic. If you have vulnerable members of your household living with that child, I would just have a heightened awareness about what it is that's going on. And again, if you are particularly concerned, then it may well be that you decide to keep the child at home. But remember, kids get bored. They do need to sort of have some socialisation. They need to do some other things. So it is really important that you provide that within the context of a framework of being able to keep them occupied and busy and learning. So that they don't go crazy and then you end up, you know, driving everybody nutty.
2: And that, those families and that heightened awareness would potentially be what level that they're already acting at normally. So for instance, if there was a chicken pox outbreak or an influenza outbreak, they're probably already at that point where they've got discussions with their doctor and plans in place. And I guess if you don't already, now is probably a good time to have those conversations.
1: Exactly. And it may well be that you just want to have that vulnerable member of the family have a, a policy of how you interact with them and and how you have the children interact with them. And that might be a better strategy given that we might be looking at six months.
0: Excellent. So I'm going to finish the episode here. Just as a disclaimer, all of this, episode, all of this information is up to date as of the 17th of March 2020 and... We will be taking down any episodes where the information becomes grossly out of date. But please keep in mind that we all live very busy lives and that may take a little bit of time. So we encourage you that this information is often changing daily, if not weekly, and to consider the information in the most up-to-date podcasts rather than the older ones. So I will take uh, the resources from Beck as raisingchildren.net.au there's a front page on coronavirus and children a link there Uh, my resource is emergingminds.com.au and if you go into the resources section there's a section on talking to children about trauma so you can google emerging minds talking with children and it will come up or you can go onto the actual website and there's uh, higher up ones about Uh, helping children cope with stress during the corona outbreak. And that was updated from March.
1: And my resource is an opinion piece from the New York Times, which is we don't need to close schools to fight the coronavirus. So if you are interested in that and sort of thinking it through, then have a, a read of that. Great. Great.
2: Thanks so much.